Hello, I'm Gillian Bowen, Public Affairs Manager at Chartered Accountants ANZ or CAANZ. This is Small Firm Big Impact. I was on the hamster wheel of life and I'd go home at night thinking, what do I actually achieve today? You know, I was just busy, 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 but I wasn't busy being effective. How often do you create complete stillness, isolate yourself from everything that's going on and just think, how do I build a better firm? How do I build a better business? How do I serve my customers better? How do I get rid of more low value work? How do I improve the quality of my team? It's the podcast giving you and your clients the up-to-date information you need to do your jobs. Each fortnight, I share resources, tools, and expert advice provided by CAANZ and a range of people across our profession. So make sure you're following the pod in your favorite pod app. And if you've got an idea for the show, email podcast at charteredaccountantsanz.com. Today, we have Andy Fell. He's the founder of Gift 631, a leadership and personal growth business. I'm going to pick his brain about what small and medium-sized practices, sole practitioners could be doing to help their business or just themselves reach their full potential. Andy Fell, welcome to Small Firm Big Impact. Hi, Gillian. I'm absolutely uh, delighted to be with you. Brilliant. Look, Firstly, I like to give our listeners a bit of a taste on your background, the guest's background, so they can see and feel who it is that they're listening to today. So what's your background? Yeah, well, I spent 28 years in financial services, um, 20 of which were in the UK and 20 of which were in senior leadership. And most of my career was spent um, leading big people-centric distribution businesses. So branch networks, contact centres, teams of, you know, relationship managers, private bankers, and business bankers. So when I moved to Australia, um, that was with the the Westpac group. And um, yeah, I had the pleasure and privilege to be a general manager in both Westpac and also the St. George Consumer Bank. And then I turned 50 and finally worked out what I wanted to do in my life. So um, yeah, I left, I took the rocking chair test uh, on myself and I left financial services and, and set up my business, Gift 631, um, which is a business that focuses on four key things. Um, one-on-one coaching, um, scaling entrepreneurs, senior business leaders, and rising talent, conference and keynote speaking, leadership talent development, and facilitating offsites for, for leadership teams, be it vision and values, high-performing teams, strategy, culture, execution. So um, yeah, that's the world in which I've I've been living for the last six years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, we've got a lot to try to cover in 20 odd minutes then with your expertise. So I'm thinking we begin by looking at where the gaps are regarding potential and why they exist. And then we take a look at what we can do about them. So how about you explain that the gap between our potential as a human and what we believe we can do? Yeah, sure. And I I think the gaps I'm going to articulate, um, Gillian, are this could be you as an individual. This could be a, a small firm. This could be a team that you're leading. This could be a, a function within a, within a big business. I believe that the gaps between current performance and potential actually are the same within us as they are within the businesses in which we work. And um, I think there's six that I re- would really love to, to share with the audience. And the first one is having you've got to have an absolute clarity of, of purpose, real clarity of vision, real clarity of goal. 
So that's the number one for me. And when I work with a team, uh, individuals and businesses, whatever size, you know, we need to get that place of, of, of clarity. And that really energizes, it energizes us, but it also energizes those around us. Uh, you know, a compelling vision, a compelling purpose with some really big goals that, um, that we have to commit to. We have to be more resourceful, more innovative, more creative to take us in the direction of those goals. So, so that's the absolute number one. The second one is the individual and collective mindset. You know, we all talk to ourselves and we all have a, an inner critic and an inner champion. And to put it really, really simply, the inner critic is the person who's constantly telling you, you can't, you can't, you can't. Mm. And the inner champion is the person that believes, um, the mindset that believes that anything is possible. And going back to that really old, you know, well-known phrase, if you say you can or you can't, you're probably right. So that's the second one. And I believe a huge percentage of our success is that attitude that belief system and that mindset. The third one is our attitude to change. And, you know, if you take something that's really topical at the moment, like chat GBT, you know, do you see that as a threat or actually do you see that as a huge opportunity? And for me, the analogy I would, I would share is if you've lived your whole life in a cave in complete darkness and then one day somebody lets you out and it's a beautiful sunny day, what happens to your eyes? Well, you're, you're temporarily blinded and it feels really uncomfortable. So you want to run back into the cave. But if you can only hold your place in the sun, then this beautiful vista opens up in front of you and you want to go forward. You don't want to go back. And if you replace the cave with our comfort zone, to me, that's what it's all about. You know, we've got to get ourselves out of our comfort zone and we've got to live with that uncomfortableness until we see the new opportunity uh, in front of us. So that'd be my third. My fourth would be time. You know, does time manage you or do you manage time? And I think if you're a sole trader, if you're a really small firm, that's a, that's a critical part of this, that you're able to ruthlessly prioritize and really sort, you know, value. You know, a lot of my clients, we're really working out, well, where does the value sit? And starting by saying, have I got a really high performance diary? You know, what goes into my diary first should be the most important, the real value um, the real value-centric activities. The fifth is um, unquestionably um, what we would call a, a growth mindset, but really what that is is the ability to, you know, one of my favorite sayings is winners debrief more than the average. The ability to, to do something and then review it, to find and drive um, continuous improvement. And then the final one, you know, Disney once said that success is 95% systems, 5% magic. But you've got to have the 95% systems to get to the 5% magic. And if you really want to unlock your potential as a, as a sole trader, uh, you know, as an individual, as a team, as a small business, you, you've really got to have the right systems in place. Um, and that's personal systems, team systems, and business unit systems. So that, I think, is, is you know, the, the basket of things that I think hold people back from mm. reaching their true potential. Mm. And there'd be people listening along who could really then identify, I'm sure they had their mind ticking away of what the impacts are of not having those things right on their small business, on themselves, if they're, if they're just working for themselves. So to help us get the brain thinking about what the next steps are, I think you, and you mentioned this when you uh, first introduced yourself, what is the rocking chair test? Yeah, Sure. So I actually took this on my 50th birthday, um, which seems a strange thing to be even thinking about on your 50th birthday. Um, but it was, I first heard it from Sir Richard Branson. 
And Branson says, imagine you're 90, 95 years old. You're sitting outside your house in your rocking chair and you're looking back on your life. And he would say, what do you want to be saying to yourself? Do you want to be saying to yourself, well, I wish I'd done that. I could have done that. I should have done that. I had the ability to do this, but I didn't. Or do you want to look back on your life and go, well, maybe I didn't get everything right, but at least I gave life my best shot. And that actually was my trigger to leave the corporate world and set up my own business because, you know, I had a great, great life in the corporate world, but I knew when it was my time to face the rocking chair test that I could only pass it if I went and, and followed my dreams, followed my passion, lived true to my purpose. So that really is, is the rocking chair test. And it's a great place to start for anyone who's thinking, well, you know, I am where I am, but I know there's, there's a lot more within me or my firm that I really I'm keen to unlock. So what is what I call my your future use state? And, and that really is if you can identify that future you state, you know, how you would love to be living your life, the business you'd love to be leading or, or running, that's a great starting place. How on that starting place, how do you get, because there's, there's a lot of ideas there and, and people will be thinking, well, what's step one, two and three? How do I get to a point where I can identify a path forward to help my business, myself reach my full potential? Yeah, I think that's a brilliant question. And Gillian, I, every single day from when I was a bank manager to when I was a general manager, in my diary, I had an appointment with Mozart. And the story goes, I actually don't even know if this is a true story, by the way. The story goes that Mozart suffered from composer's cramp. And the way he'd overcome that composer's cramp is he'd isolate himself from the world. So he'd go out on his own. And when he was wandering through the forests in Middle Europe and, you know, he was watching the deer and he was smelling the trees, listening to the birds, that's when he started to compose his music again in his mind. And the whole idea is that, you know, greatness requires some stillness. And from stillness, you'll get clarity. And from clarity, you'll get innovation, breakthrough and success. And when I first heard that story, I was a struggling bank manager. I was on the hamster wheel of life. And I'd go home at night thinking, well, what have I actually achieved today? You know, I was just busy, 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 but I wasn't busy being effective. And again, I, I talked to so many sole traders and, and small firms, small practices across sectors who are, who are in this space. So once I heard that story, I went back and I put an appointment in my diary with Mozart, and I still have that appointment every single day. And it's 20 minutes of, of time, um, just me, my thoughts, and my journal, no technology, so no phone, no laptop, no chance of interruption or disruption. And I just think, and I, I seriously would suggest and recommend to everyone who listens to this that that is the starting point. How often do you create complete stillness, isolate yourself from everything that's going on and just think, how do I build a better firm? How do I build a better business? How do I serve my customers better? How do I get rid of more low value work? How do I improve the quality of my team? How do I improve the quality of my services? How do I use chat GBT to my advantage? What, whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's just that thinking time, because if you give yourself that, that stillness, and I only ever have two speeds in business, I'm either completely still, or I'm completely fast. And I do believe speed is a source of competitive advantage. But if you look from the outside, all you see is the speed. But I can only go that fast because I'm going that slow. Because that's when I make decisions about the things that I'm going to prioritize in my life and my business. And if you're going to go fast, it's a good job to go fast in what you think is the right direction. How important is it, do you think, for people to believe in themselves? 
art. It's it's the core of absolutely everything, you know. And and the greatest day is when your internal validation. So what you think about you crosses over from your reliance upon external validation, which is what others think of you. And far too many people, in in my view, are dependent upon you know what holds a lot of people back. Actually, Gillian is not. It's not the fear of failure. It's the fear of judgment. So you know when you're totally reliant upon either on praise, but it also you're equally wounded by criticism. You you hold yourself back. You become dependent upon what others are saying about you, rather than just being true to yourself and, and following your own course. So I think it, it's really important that we all work exceptionally hard to build our confidence, our belief systems, and to go a little bit deeper, our level of self esteem. I think what plays into that is what you say about making mistakes safe. What does that mean? Yeah, and it really started because I talked to a, a lot of leaders and they go, I, I want to be an empowering leader. You know, however small the firm, I want to I want to grow my firm. And the only way I can do that, I can't hold on to everything that I've always been doing. So I want to empower those around me. And I would say, well, what's your system for empowerment? And people like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got to have a system. So people have got to know what they're empowered to do. So when I was running the bank, for example, people knew the no-go areas. You know, these are areas you just can't touch. Maybe something around legislation, governance, pricing, risk, you know, brand, all those different things. These are the things you need to refer to me as your one-up line manager. So almost you're setting the parameters of where people are not empowered, and therefore you're an you're an you're enabled to empower them about everything else. And that's about quality delegation, uh, delegation. That's about reducing and removing red tape. But it's also about making mistakes safe. So very early in my career, I worked um, for the managing director of the Royal Bank of Scotland. I was his executive assistant. And one day he called me into his office and, and I was just this young guy starting out in business. And he said, Andy, he said, I want to give you a piece of advice. Um, he said, let me just tell you this. The only people who don't make mistakes are the people who don't do anything. So he said, you want to, first of all, he said, I want you to live an action-orientated life. He said, but secondly, when you're in a position of leadership like I am, create an environment, create a tone, which is conducive not only to people um, bringing their full selves to work, but people being willing to have a go. And it was him, Tony, who first got me thinking about this. He said, but obviously, you know, put some parameters around this. I mean, we were in financial services. He said, I don't want people making mistakes with lots of noughts on the end. He said, but you've got to create an environment where people, it's safe to test and learn, to fail fast in these areas. He said, because that's how you are going to grow as a leader, Andy. But that's also when you're in leadership, how others are going to grow. So I think it's about it's about setting up a whole system of empowerment for the people that that work within your firm, so they know where they can you know where they can take decisions and risk making mistakes, where they need to refer to you as either the business owner, and where you just don't want them to play. Mm. You mentioned uh, red tape in 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 that answer, and you're not talking about government red tape or external no. red tape what what red tape are you talking about and how does that impact a small business yeah it's really interesting often you know i work with a business and when you really get into talking about all of the low value work that they're having to do that's in their view it's constraining them it's holding them back it's it's um it's first of all it's a, a source of disengagement because people get really really frustrated but often you'll talk to someone and they'll say well my boss has asked me to do this 
But now I'm spending every five minutes updating the boss about how I'm going. So I'm spending more time updating than I am actually doing. Mm -hmm. So it's all of the low value activities that are actually getting in the way of us achieving what we want to achieve as a firm. And it goes back to a brilliant story from Gail Kelly, who was the the, um, CEO of the Westpac Group, um, just a phenomenal human being. And Gail told this story about when the recently um, deceased um, Queen Elizabeth, when she was still a princess, so this is going back a long, long time, when Princess Elizabeth was going on a state tour of South Africa with um, her husband, she wanted to see Wales. And they set up a system in South Africa where all of the Coast Guards, every single day in the three months leading up to Princess Elizabeth's visit, would send in the number of whale sightings in that particular spot around the coast of South Africa. The idea being where there was the most frequent whale spottings, that's where they'd send Princess Elizabeth. Anyway, fast forward 60 years, and they're still doing the whale report. And this new guy takes over this function. And he goes, so why are we actually, why are we doing this? And no one really knew. And people were going, well, obviously we want to monitor whale numbers. And he said, no, no, we can do that with technology. We, we don't need to have all these manual reports flying around the system and then someone's keying them in. So Gail then challenged us to say, so in your part of the business, where are your whale reports? What are your whale reports? And I think it's brilliant that everyone takes away from yeah. the podcast, just go and challenge everything yes. that in your firm. Why are you doing it? What's the value in it? Is there a, and if you do believe you need to do it, is there a more efficient way of doing it? So think about whale reports. I, um, I, along that similar vein, and I, I, I often, you know, I'm the, I'm the host, and I often tell stories, but I, I have a friend who had said that um, for a long amount of time, a person uh, that they worked with had been popping into a meeting that had been set up during COVID, and wonder and sitting in it for fifteen or twenty minutes and wondering why no one else was joining it uh, because. <laughs> What's finished and the meeting had not continued, but this poor person had been rocking up, spending 15, 20 minutes. Oh, no one's coming and getting off and not realizing that actually that calendar invite should have been deleted. Of course, that meeting shouldn't have been continuing on, but what a waste of time. How many things like that do you think exist? So many. Honestly, Gillian, that is a huge area of opportunity for everyone listening to this. Oh, dear. How long are your meetings? Have every meeting that either you're attending or your people are attending is a clear purpose, clear agenda, clear minutes, clear actions. You know, I used to challenge, I often say to my clients, what, what's the worst one or two meetings you go to every week? And they can tell me like that. And it's like, well, why do you go? You know, oh, almost as an expectation that I go, well, let's challenge the expectation. You know, let's create some capacity within the system here. And, and I think it's a huge opportunity. You're absolutely right. Mm, we are almost out of time. I wanted to finish on that. Look, people listen to this podcast rather than watching it, but you and I can see each other and you've got a hashtag that's under gift 631 that is hashtag what winners do. I think that's a nice way to to wrap up. What does that mean? Yeah, so really it's, it's, it's creating a personal success system. So I, I believe, as I said earlier, success, 95% systems, 5% magic. So what are, what are your personal success systems that's going to enable you to move in the direction of future you? And that might be everything from your morning routines to your, how you, you debrief your significant activities to how you time block your diary effectively so you can really focus on, on the deep work, how you re-energize, 
um, how you motivate yourself in, in a moment of need. So what winners do is, is my series of winning habits, winning frameworks, winning routines, which form my personal success system, which ultimately will enable me to pass my rocking chair test. Okay, we've covered a lot. That is all we have time for. If you want to find out more about Andy Felon Gift 631, I'll put a link in the show notes to his website. Also give the podcast a follow in your favourite pod app so you're ready for next time. And you can also find all the other episodes from Season 3 there. The podcast has an email, so feel free to get in touch. Podcast at chartedaccountantsanz.com. Let's start a conversation. We certainly have today. Thanks, Andy Fell, for joining me on Small Firm Big Impact. My absolute pleasure. Bye-bye.